Welcome to Aligned and Soulful Leadership. My name is Kavita Milwani, and I empower soulful, multicultural women of color to opulently shine their light without the hustle. I truly believe you can fulfill your soul's desire without losing yourself, your health, or your life in the process. I know that you can ignite your confidence and know your worth all while walking your divine, unique path. So in this podcast, I will dive deep into topics, challenges, and blocks that women of color experience as they rise up into their aligned life and work. My deep desire is that BIPOC women can lead through their inner wisdom in a way that honors their soul. Are you ready to rise up as the leader you were born to be? Then this podcast is for you. Have you heard of the imposter syndrome? So I started to think about the imposter syndrome and how it may be impacting leaders and women of color um, specifically. And as I was just thinking about that, I saw a recent podcast interview by Brene Brown. And in that, she interviewed two um, individuals that were speakers and talked about how the imposter syndrome for um, women of color is actually something that we need to re-examine. So what I wanted to dive into today was three reasons why I believe that the imposter syndrome is different for women of color, why our experience of the imposter syndrome is most likely different. I'm going to highlight some things from the article, some quotes from the article that are relevant, and I will provide the link of that article in the show notes, as well as that podcast interview um, by Brene Brown. And Brene Brown has talked about the imposter syndrome in her books and her lectures before, and so her take on that and this new perspective, um, if you want to hear about that, then I would recommend listening to those that podcast or reading the article. So let's start with um, the imposter syndrome and what it is. The imposter syndrome, according to psychologists um, Pauline Rose Clance and Suzanne Imes, they came up with a concept. Uh, called the imposter phenomenon. Um, And it was a study in 1978. And they focused on high achieving achieving women. So now in 1978, um, it goes without saying that most likely there weren't a lot of leaders, women of color who were in the study. They just weren't probably available at that time. But either way, that they defined it as despite you know the the person's outstanding achievement achievements academic professional they still believed they were maybe not not really measuring up to the way they should be right they may have fooled everyone right to thinking that there there are these successful people and women but they really aren't right? They, so there's like this fear of being found out. 
Um, so like this trust, distrust of their success, right, that they were feeling. Um, and so then this is how that started. So now as, as I went into look at this article by um, these women and it's called Stop Telling Women They Have Imposter Syndrome. And, you know, in this article, uh, there are a couple things that they bring to light that a lot of the, what we call imposter syndrome stems from the biases that are present in places of work. So it's actually, you know, being reflected around them, reflected back to them that they're somehow don't measure up in the inherent biases that are present. So I'm not going to dive into that today. I'm going to dive into some other reasons, um, why the imposter syndrome is, different for women of color. But I do want to highlight this, the perspective of these authors. I think they have some amazing and valid points. Um, and so some of the things they said is that in the article, one quote is that the same system that reward confidence in male leaders, even if they're incompetent, punish white women for lacking confidence, women of color for showing too much of it, and all women. So that's one of the things they talk about. So, you know, the same behavior that a woman exhibits is being treated differently than a man. And so the other thing they, uh, they talk about is that when women of color sometimes enter organizations, they found this research from Kisa and Thomas that they enter a company as a, this, uh, she has in quotes, pets, but they are treated as threats once they actually gain influence in their role. So, you know, there's a lot of things happening in the workplaces and corporate environments and cultures. And of course, this varies depending on where you are. Uh, and that also impacts what a person, when a person feels like they somehow don't really measure up. But it's really prevalent, according to this article, because of the biases in, in the toxic culture that value individualism and overwork, right? So they value the individual and overwork. And so they their position is that the we don't need to fix women's imposter syndrome, okay? We need to fix the workplace to be more inclusive. Um, so as so a place where women of color can thrive. And so I'm not saying that I disagree with that. Um, I do think that that varies according to workplace. What I do know is that women have come to me because although they have a list of accomplishments, although by any definition of success, or let, let me just back up and say by most definitions of success, they are successful women um, and they have really are high achieving. They would be defined as high achieving. And there's a sense of somehow not being enough still, like they haven't accomplished enough. And so what I want to really go into is what are the three reasons that I have found that this is the case for women of color in leaders, in leadership positions. So the first reason is uh, a lack of role models. And so what I mean by that is that most likely a lot of women of color in right now, 
I know this is changing for the teens and adolescents and children of this generation. But for us, for a lot of us, we did not grow up seeing people like us in positions of leadership uh, and even simple things like on uh, television. We did not grow up seeing people like us even reflected in toys. Okay. And so that, that plays into a lot of things as to the standards of beauty and what is considered attractive and, um, skin color. And so that's, that's another conversation. But the other part of this is if you do not see, uh, doctors, lawyers, um, if you do not see people in corporate positions, if you don't see business women, um, on their own who are successful and you don't have those examples, it becomes harder to see yourself in that role. So even if you're in that role right now, you almost feel like maybe I don't belong here. Have I done enough to be here? You know, it's like almost it's like what makes me so great to be in this position? And so that questioning because of the, you know, lack of role models that are present is one of the reasons that I see the women I work with and in myself, why it's sometimes difficult to really feel like I'm here, I belong here, I work for this. And, you know, it is a work in progress to first recognize that that's part of what's happening. And then once you recognize that that's happening, then you're able to notice your behavior and your thoughts and, and monitor them. And direct them in a more positive light. So when that comes up, the lack of role model, or why am I supposed to be, why am I here? Do I deserve this? Then really acknowledge what you have done. Really acknowledge all the things that you have, uh, the effort that you've put forth, and then even look at the people around you and create role models today. And so second reason, so that's the first reason. And the second one is they, you may have come from a culture where praise was not used. And so I know in my family of origin, uh, my, if I would come home with a really good grade, like a 98% out of a hundred on something, I would hear things like, why didn't you get a hundred or, you know, I got all straight A's and then an A minus. Why didn't you get all straight A's? Instead of the praise, which would be amazing work. I see how hard you're working and I am so proud of you. So I didn't hear that growing up. And, you know, I had actually talked to my parents years later and asked them, why, why, didn't you ever say or very rarely say that you were proud of us? And they said that they were taught that if you praise a child, you spoil them and they'll lose their motivation. And so that was what, how they were raised as well. And so they were just, they were just repeating what they thought was the way, the right way, right? They wanted us to be the best version of ourselves. So they thought that if they praised us, then we wouldn't be which I mean, now things have changed and, um, we are, have been taught to praise our kids. We have been taught to praise their efforts, right? So, um, that can impact if you're from a family and, or a culture where praise is not really part of 
of the culture. It's not part of what your parents received and therefore not what you received. Then some of those, those words that we heard growing up are internalized. So if you didn't hear the words, you great work, you know, great effort. And I can see how hard you're working. You didn't feel seen and heard and recognized. Um, And then when you did work and it wasn't good enough, that of course can lead to perfectionism, which is another issue, right? But in addition, it can bring this idea that you are in an imposter because you haven't, you're not perfect and you're not measuring up and you haven't done everything that maybe a colleague um, has done, or maybe you don't have the same degrees or didn't go to the same schools or, you know, whatever. We can always find some way that we don't measure up if we look for it. So, if, and if that's the way that you have been conditioned to look at the world, to look at where you lack, then that is what you're going to notice. And so then the other part of the cultural influence on us is not receiving praise and also in your culture as an adult, right? If you don't fit what in your culture is a definition of success for a woman of color, then you, you might not receive that praise. And even to this day, you do, we, I joke, um, with cousins and say like, yeah, you know, I got married, but then they were like, when are you going to have kids? And then when you have kids, um, you know, when are they, what school are they going to, and what are you doing for the kids? And it's like this never ending, um, cycle of fulfilling what is the next step in your story and your level of what is a successful woman. And so this also reminds me of a cl- one of my clients who is from a culture where for women, one of the definitions of success was marriage. And if you were not married, then you're really not defined as successful in that culture. And I actually have a couple, a few clients, right, that come from those those cultures where, you know, they need to be married. And so for this person, when, and both these clients actually, when they're choosing, making decisions, they would question themselves partially because of messages they would receive from their family of origin. And so this one person that I wanted to talk about has such a long list of accomplishments. I mean, she... Uh, was so well-educated, constantly creating new things, new data, presenting, amazing, right? Anybody looking at her accomplishments would say she is high-achieving and a leader and is amazing. And she questioned herself and she questioned whether she was good enough and Sometimes through our sessions, it would come through that her family, you know, although they supported her being successful, they didn't think she was fully successful because she wasn't married. And she, even though she was dating, she hadn't met the person that she wanted yet. And so that, that sense of like, she still wasn't enough, right? And so that, that can carry over into her work. And it was. So when we started to examine that and separate that, then, you know, we, then she was able to see her success even more and more. But it is a process because we're conditioned with these 
thoughts and that becomes our inner voice in a way and then we it becomes reinforced if we're continuing to interact with our culture of origin that has some different values maybe than you do or values define success differently okay and so that can contribute to feeling like an imposter Okay, so that's another reason. So the first reason was like mo- maybe a lack of role models. And the second is like the culture of origin and how that may not contribute to that inner voice of confidence and success and that you are enough by not using praise or maybe even having a different definition of what success is, especially as a woman. And so the third reason is uh, face. And so some people, when I say that, will know exactly what that is. But the face is, I think it's a very Asian concept. Um, I know in my family of origin, they may not use that word, but it is the same thing. It's your reputation. It's that sense of, you know, what others, how you're viewed in your community, right? So what is your reputation in the community? And it becomes this thing to protect. And when you are, when you have a a culture that values that, then what happens is people don't present the flip side. They only present usually the successes, right? So they'll present the good things, the things they've accomplished. Um, They'll present what's going well. But in order to uphold that reputation, they will not present the struggles. They will not present the the things that are not going well. And so we all have struggles and we all have things that are not going well, right? And so then if those things are happening in our lives and we don't see that around us, then we might think we're alone. And then if we see the people that are presenting their successes and they seem like everything else is is so almost perfect, and we look at our own lives, that can contribute to feeling like an imposter. I mean, you know, and that's exacerbated now with social media, because in social media, we only see what a person wants you to see. And then you add in whatever filters, you add in uh, all the things that can be done, and it becomes a skewed, real, skewed perspective of what is real, and what is the actual experience of that person and what are the struggles that they've overcome and how do they get to where they are now? Instead, you may just see the end result um, and then, or, you know, they may not share all the things that they did do, right? On the flip side of that, it's like, I did this, but I didn't do all the work, right? And so then um, you might, then you, it's natural to compare and feel like you're now an imposter, Okay. So when the face is more important, that happens to a higher degree. And so then you don't know the struggles. You don't know what's going on behind the scenes. You don't know that other people struggle with not feeling like they know enough. You don't know that other people may be presented with something that they don't know the answers to. And they may need to reach out for help. And so help is, is another part of this, right? So oftentimes, if you're not allowed to show weaknesses or vulnerability, if you're not allowed to be different, right, in order to fit into society, and you're only presenting what's going well, then, then needing help or asking for help 
can be perceived in a negative light. So that is another another layer of things I see and experiences that I see for leaders and women of color. And we all need support and help. So it is important to seek that help. And I love when people actually admit that they received some help instead of saying they did it all on their own and, you know, they're not willing to share. And for another person that's receiving that help, they may feel somehow less than. And so that help can come through um, some, a mentor at work. It could come through working with a coach. It could come through working with a therapist. That help could um, come from people in your community. Um, it, you know, it can come from so many different places. And we, we are a society. We are human beings that are all connected and can work together. And so when you feel separate and different and feel like an imposter, and then if you feel like you need some help, you can feel really alone. So if that's something that you're feeling, if you're feeling those things, I'm going to encourage you to receive the support you need. You can either reach out to me and set up a session and we can talk about what you're looking for, what your challenges are in your leadership right now. And, and usually that's related to what's going on. All It's connected, not related to in your life. Um, and if not, seek help where you deem fit. Right. If you think that you really need a therapist, find a therapist. If um, work has your environment has a program, then seek help. If you have your own business, especially these things can be um, very different and exasperated because you may not even less be surrounded by uh, less likely to be surrounded by support. Right. So me as a business owner often find that I have to create those communities around me. I have to ask, reach out for help because I can get lost in that daily grind. And then if my only um, interaction is social media or online, then I'm not seeing everything. I'm not seeing the reality. And I feel you know, the comparison come in, comparison can come in and I can feel even less so. Um, less than others and less successful. So I encourage you to really look at your feelings and thoughts about yourself, where your roles and how far you've come. And look at where the, where you are feeling inadequate, like an imposter, right? Somehow you might be found out and even, if you can look at your childhood and see, like, did you have the role models? Does your culture accept um, success and define success the way you do? Do does your did you grow up being praised? And then look at you know that idea of face and what other people present. And so when you start to uncover those thoughts, beliefs, and patterns, you can work with that conditioning. Okay. And so I would encourage you to do that. And of course, if you can want to learn more about this other perspective on the bias, you can check out the links in the show notes. And I am, would love to speak to you. I have, um, I'm open to connecting uh, and hearing from, from you, what topics you want to discuss. And also, uh, if you would like scheduling that leadership strategy session so we can dive deep until next time, take good care. Bye. 
Thank you for joining me for Aligned and Soulful Leadership. I was inspired to start this podcast as a way to empower women of color to rise up into their aligned leadership. Remember, I will have all the resources I mentioned during this episode available in the show notes at alignedandsoulfulpodcast.com. I'm your host, Kavita, and if you enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends. And if you haven't received my free abundance meditation and exercise, then go to alignedandsoulfulleadership.com and subscribe to my newsletter, and you will receive this powerful visualization and exercise to ignite your abundant life. Thank you. Until next time, take good care. Bye.